God has started us on a, a new sermon series without me even knowing. Uh, we've learned that there's most certainly power in, in proper prayer, and we learned from this, this from the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, how to pray and how not to pray. Last week, we learned that there is most certainly power in the name of God. Last week, we learned that there is most certainly power in the name of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I thought I was by myself this morning. We learned that there are 16 given names of God in Scripture, each with a, a different meaning that displays the righteousness and holiness characteristics of God. We learned that the name of God is a strong tower and the righteous run to the name of God and are blessed. Just calling on the name of God brings us peace in the midst of any storm and calms any fear that could come our way. Now today we're going to see that there is power somewhere else. It's not hidden. Brother Frank, there is power somewhere else in the name of Jesus and it's not hidden. It's right there at our disposal if we will just see it in Scripture. Now, I'm going to read the Scripture, and I want to see if y'all see what I saw, okay? Y'all ready? How many of y'all have your Bible with you? Hold your Bible up. Let me see your Bibles. Amen. Look at there. Take notes, y'all. Take notes. Bob, Bob raised his hand. Bob, you can't, don't write on that, that screen, all right? Mark chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerserians. The, as soon as, they got, as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs. No one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue this man, and, all, and, and uh, always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, church, listen, we, we ought to get excited right here in Scripture. Do you know one day soon that you're going to see Jesus from a distance? You're going to see, G when you take your last breath here on this earth, hey, Sarah, you are going to see Jesus from a distance, sweetie. We are all going to see Jesus from a distance. When this, this demon-possessed man saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. And he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion, he answered him, because we are many. And he kept begging him not to send them out of the region. Now a large herd of pigs was there feeding in, on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us out to the pigs so that we can enter them. And he gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd of about 2,000 pigs rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town and the countryside, and people went to see what had happened. 
They came to Jesus and saw the man who had been demon-possessed by by the legion sitting there dressed in in his right mind, and they were afraid. The eyewitnesses described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed kept begging him to be with him. But he said, he would not let him. Instead, he told him, go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. Let's pray. Our Father, as we just opened your scripture, we saw a grand display of who you are. God, I pray that you would help us to set ourselves side by side with this scripture this morning, that we might be able to see ourselves in this scripture and see how it applies to us. Lord, help us to pay attention. Help us to not be distracted by anything that's taking place in the service, that, Lord, you will be proclaimed this morning because of who you are. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said... Amen. Now, I told y'all earlier that, you know, God has set me on this path of, of, of this sermon series, and I hope that you saw this morning. We saw two weeks ago that there is, is power in prayer. God gave us the, the model play, prayer, the, the Lord's prayer, and showed us how to pray, and he showed us how not to pray, and we can take solace in that knowing that there is power in prayer. Last week, we saw that there is power in the name of God. And this morning, I hope as you were reading through Scripture, Miss Desi, I hope you got excited because you saw, okay, there's power in prayer and there's power in the name of God, but there's also, church, there is power in the presence of God. Amen? There is power in the presence of Jesus. And and as we read through this Scripture, we should have been excited about what took place and what was taking place. And listen, what can take place in your life? It can. That's why Scripture is given to us. Not that we can see and say, oh boy, that, that, that just shouldn't have happened that way. Or man, I'm glad it happened that way. I'm glad to see. G- scripture is given to us that it might be an illustration of how it can be in our lives. Amen? If only we'll listen. Butch, if only we'll pay attention. This morning I want you to see and to understand, and you'll hear me say it time and time and time again. There is power in the presence of Jesus. Amen. Always has been always will be. From the time he came to this earth to the time he comes back again through the millennial reign, his millennial reign, there is power in the presence of Jesus. Now, as we consider our scriptures, we look at our scripture, we first see that Jesus and those who were with him came to the other side of the sea, that they, that they were immediately faced with a problem. Now, church, Jesus didn't have a problem. He knew, right, church? Wednesday night crowd, as we study through the life of Christ, every time we open up one of the Gospels, we tell ourselves that, those two words. What did we tell us? Jesus knew. Jesus knew everything that was going to take place, and he knew. He knew who was going to be there. He knew who, was, who, was, who, who he was and who possessed him. He knew exactly what was going to happen before any of it happened. <clears throat> those who were with Jesus... We're being trained to have great faith. And we need to remember that. They needed to see this. 
There's certain things that we need to see. We, we need to understand. We need to, 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 to be around. These men were there because their faith was so fragile, and Jesus was trying to, to, to mold their faith. And when they encountered this man who was possessed, they encountered a problem. The problem was their personal fear. Now you tell me that you would not be afraid if you were in the presence of a person who was possessed. Now church, listen to me. I believe the day that we live in, that we're around a lot more people who are actually possessed that we give another name for. I really do. Uh, we walk past people downtown, I believe, who were possessed. Now, listen, I'm not trying to, to, to overemphasize something or I'm not trying to, to, you know, sensationalize anything. What I'm trying to say is this. There are people who are demon-possessed that we encounter that we just, we don't, we don't see it. We, we, don't, we don't call it what it is. Oh, they listen, they're, they're just, you know, some, something's wrong with them. They've got a chemical imbalance. They do this, this. No, listen, if we called it what it was called, if Jesus was standing right next to us, they're demon-possessed. Now, you tell me, if you were in the presence of a person who was demon-possessed, displaying the characteristics and the traits that we saw in Scripture with this man this morning, that you wouldn't be afraid. Now, we, we see no indication that Jesus was afraid. But I guarantee you, those disciples were afraid. Well, Brother Kyle, what makes you say that? Just, just a few short hours ago, where were they? They were, in, they were in the sea and the storm raged. And I'm going to hit this again here in a minute. And the, the, the sea was just tossed and turned. And what did Scripture say about those same men? What, what were they? They were afraid. They went down and woke Jesus up and said, You're, how can you sleep? Don't you know that we're about to die? They had great fear. And Jesus, sat, Jesus said to them, where's your faith? Oh, how little your faith is. So we have to see the correlation. We have to see that Jesus is continuing on trying to establish, build, grow, and mold their faith this morning. So they were fear. There was great fear. They were afraid. Brother Kyle, how, how, how really do you know you were afraid? I, I have told y'all in times past, I have been called by other pastors. That does, hasn't happened very often, but two times in my ministry life, in my ministry career, I guess you could call it, I've been called by other pastors, and, and they've said, listen, we, we have somebody who is saying they're demon-possessed. They, they want you and several pastors to come around and just lay hands on him and pray, pray for him. Both times it was men. Both times. Now, I'm not saying that's the norm, but I mean, it, both times it was men. I, I believe there was a, a young lady in, in our youth in our first ministry in Kentucky that was demon-possessed. I do. Well, Brother Kyle, what, what, what makes you think that they were demon-possessed? You know what the, the, the greatest spiritual gift that all of us possess, but we use probably the least amount than anything else? Discernment. When I was in her presence, and you could feel the, the, the just the presence of evil did I mention she was in the church hey listen demons aren't afraid of church they're not afraid of church people now church understand we as Christians we can't be possessed but we can be oppressed by the same demons you you need to fear you need to fear now, I'm not saying fear in such a way that it cripples you, but you need to understand without the power and the presence of Jesus you need to fear 
Because most of us don't stay in his presence. We flee from his presence. Mark immediately identifies the problem these men faced as, as a man who had an unclean spirit. That's what he proclaims. The man with this spirit did not stand at a distance and speak to Jesus and his followers. He came right up to them and began speaking to them. Our scripture says, quote, and he met them. The man who was possessed and Jesus knew that there was about to be a showdown in the spiritual realm. He knew beyond any doubt that who Jesus was and what Jesus was about to do and that he was about to do something with him and to him. Church, do you see right here that Jesus at this point had said nothing to this possessed man? Nothing. Caleb, he hadn't said one word. He just got out of the ship. Brother, Brother Gary, he got out of the ship, walked on to shore, came into this man's presence, and that's all he's done. That's all he's done. And this possessed man walks up to him. Church, just the fact that Jesus was in his presence, he knew something was about to happen. We can't be possessed as Christians, but we can be oppressed. Do you hear me? Now, what's the difference? An indwelling and an outer dwelling. The, the indwelling is when you are possessed. When, and that's what we see this morning. When they're affecting you out, outwardly, trying to manipulate your life, they're oppressing you. There's a difference between oppression and possession. But can I tell you something? There, there's... The, 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 the cure is one and the same. And that's really easy. Y'all ready? This is top secret FBI information. If you want to be cured from possession or oppression, it takes one thing. Being in the presence of Jesus. You, you can, listen, you can fight a lot of things. I, Sharon, she's fighting congestion. She says, I've had this summer cold. I've had it for a month now. I'm ready to get. You, you can go to the doctor and sometimes you can get antibiotics. You know, we, listen, to, to cure that. We're all sometimes, somewhere, some way fighting something and we can find a cure for it. There's no way that you can cure oppression or possession apart from the presence of Jesus. You cannot. So listen, if you know that you are being oppressed, if you know somebody who is being, who is, you think is possessed, what do you think you need to do? You need to get them into the presence of Jesus because he's the only thing that can help, right? Y'all remember y'all said that. Remember you said that. Now, we then see in our scripture in verses 3 through 5, a short testimony of how this possessed man was living. How he, was, how he was living and how those around this man felt about him being there. Look at, look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, He lived in the tombs. <coughs> now, I think we talked uh, Wednesday night a few weeks ago. It might have been last week. Uh, I saw a meme. Somebody posted a meme that said, Tony, uh, would you sleep in a graveyard for, for $2 million? I'd do it for 200 Hey, come on. I mean, those, those people aren't there anymore. Amen? As a matter of fact, the graveyard's a beautiful place because it's going to be a great testimony of, of Jesus Christ for the believers who are in the graveyard. Scripture says the dead in Christ will rise what? 
First, that's exactly right. That is going to be an unbelievable testimony one day of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? But I wouldn't want to live where these guys are talking because he's here. Listen, Scripture says, the possessed man, he lived in the tombs. No one was able to restrain him anymore. Even with chains. Because he, he would often had been bound with shackles and chains. And he had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him, Caleb. See, we can't, it's like Caleb. We can't subdue Caleb. Right? Tony can, right, Tony? Tony shaking his head. Even your daddy's scared of you, son. They weren't strong enough to, to subdue him. And always, church, always, always, night and day, he was crying out amongst the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. Does anybody want to take a, 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 an evening trip? You know, y'all have done the ghost tours downtown Savannah and the hearses. My wife drugged me to one. I don't know why. She, she about got on me because I was making fun of everybody the whole time. I was like, yeah, take a picture. Woo! But anyway, that's... This was the real deal. Y'all want to get up a bus, uh, a bus load and let, let's go to the, the, the catacombs and the tombs and, and take a visit to this guy? I don't think so. No, no. I, I don't want to play with this. I, I don't want to play with the devil. This, I don't want to play with magic. I don't want to play with anything that has to do with sorcery. I don't want my children reading anything that has to do with magic or sorcery. Do you know why? Because you're playing with the devil. You are playing with the devil. I've seen good church people say, oh, listen, th th this is a great book. It's a great sermon. It's a, it's a great series of books. Yeah, but it has to do with witches and warlocks and magic. And it's the occult. Stay away from it. Why? Because it's of the devil. Amen. There's a very popular children's book that a lot of y'all let your children read. And the, the, the names in the children's books are demons. Demons. Actual demons from Scripture. Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with it. You just have to tell them the difference. Okay, go ahead. Tell them the difference. Church, we're talking about a battle here. A battle between God and Satan. Why would you want... Listen, let, let's have a Ouija party in the back tomorrow night. Y'all want to come to have a Ouija party? Let, let, let's put some tables and black cloths and, and let's, let's hang a cross upside down and, and let's, we'll light candles and hold hands and hum and we'll get the Ouija board out and see if we can communicate with spirits. Y'all want to do that? Brother Kyle, you crazy. Why in the world? Listen, that's, that's crazy. Why, why would you even say that? Why would you want to do that? Because you're, you're, you're playing with demons and devils. We need to be careful because Satan's very subtle, isn't he? He, he makes, he makes the, the most, you know, oh, it's not that bad, and sucks you right in. That's what we, it's not bad. You, you, just, you just have to tell the children. You, you have to do, listen, if it's of the devil and if it's of Satan, you need to stay away from it. You really do. And I spent a little too much time on that one, so I'll move on. Can I tell you that, that, we're, that, that we hear no words coming from the men who were with Jesus? But I can tell you that when they saw all these events taking place, that they all knew that there was something very wrong with this man who was standing in front of them. 
These men had just a short time before, before seeing Jesus calm the raging seas. And ask, they asked this question, Who is this that even the wind and waves obey him? Now listen, church, now they are going to see Jesus, uh, how Jesus can calm a person with a raging spirit within him. Remember, Jesus is building their faith. What are these men going to say about what they are going to see? These men's faith are about to grow just by being church in the presence of Jesus. They were astonished when Jesus calmed the winds and the waves. Now they walk up on shore, Dan Roth, and they see a man who is in utter torment. They've heard about him. The people in the community have testified about him. There were probably somebody, and we don't see it in Scripture, but there was probably somebody around the shoreline that said, listen, y'all don't need to walk up there. You don't need to walk up there. This, this, there's a guy up there, and he, we think he's possessed, and, and he, it's, it's bad. We can't even bind him with chains anymore. He, he's just screaming and cutting himself day and night. Do y'all know that cutting yourself is a sign that you've got some sort of demonic influence around you? Did you know that? But they went anyway. They went anyway. Church, we then see the actions of the possessed man, seen in verse 6 and 7. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, When he saw who? Y'all, come on, listen. Say it loud and proud. When he saw who? From a distance. When they saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. You mean to tell me a man who was possessed by demons? Yep, listen. He ran and knelt down before him. And he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. We just heard from a demon in Scripture. What exactly did he do? Number one, he ran and knelt before Jesus. He ran and knelt before Jesus. Church, I I don't know when I'm going to die. Y'all don't know when you're going to die. We don't have a clue. When we die, when we take our last breath here on this earth, I, I don't care who you are. Scripture says, Every knee shall bow and every mouth shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Believers, listen, the first thing you're going to do when you stand before Jesus, you're going to see his holiness and his righteousness, and you're not going to be able to stay, stay, be, be standing. You, you, you are going to fall on your knees before Jesus Christ because you're going to understand then the holiness that you should understand now. Really. Let, let me say that again. You will fall on your knees before Jesus because you will finally understand his holiness the way you should now. Brother Kyle, what makes you think that I don't, I don't understand and I, I don't display his holiness? Well, our actions. Brother Kyle, you too? Yeah. Yeah. Can I tell you something I'm looking forward to? The, the day that we live in, I, I'm sick of this world. I, I'm, I'm sick of 
what's taking place in America we call right, wrong, and wrong, right. The immorality that's taking place around us. Church, and listen, I, I'm, I'm tired of the convolution and, and people saying, well, it's not wrong and it's not right. I, listen, when, when Scripture says what is definitely wrong and what's definitely right, I don't know when I'm going to die, Mr. White, but listen, I, I want to ask Jesus at some point, if I die at an earlier age, when people start coming into heaven and they have to kneel down before him, I want to watch some of these people who've lived like hell in America, who have, who have, who have imposed laws in America, and they've done it all in their, their right moral mind, that have killed people, that have killed children, and have tried to legislate immorality in the sight of, of God. And listen, they pushed, they've done everything they could to push God out of life and government. Well, wait a minute. Separation of church and state. Listen, our founding fathers did not want the state affecting the church. I want to see those people, those arrogant, prideful people that think they're so right all of them on both sides of the aisle when they walk through the halls of heaven because scripture says every knee shall bow and every mouth whether they're saved or not they're going to stand before my Jesus. And I want to see that arrogant scrowl just unroll on their face and when they kneel down before Jesus. Brother Kyle, that's awful mean. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the hypocrisy. I'm tired of the nastiness. I'm tired of the immorality. I'm tired of Christians saying something is right when Scripture says it's wrong. I just don't get it. I Listen, I, I, just this past week I had to say it again, Mr. White. Somebody asked me a question about something the Bible says is immoral. They said, you know, what do you think is a pastor? And I said, what are, you, are you asking me for my opinion? Because listen, God could care less what my opinion is. God could care less what your opinion is. His word either stands or you're, you're standing alone. You are standing on sinking sand. God doesn't care what your opinion is. He, he wrote this over 2,000 years ago for you to follow. And if you're not following the word of God, you're not following God. I've preached three sermons already. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. The scripture said this morning that he ran and knelt before Jesus. You are going to run to Jesus. You are going to kneel before him one day. All of you. All of us. Good, bad, ugly, and dead. You are going to kneel before Jesus. But this demon did something else. He cried out loudly. What are you going to do to me or with me? Church, just being in the presence, in his presence, in the presence of Jesus, he knew something was going to happen to him. And he was right. Do you know that every single time that I have felt myself in the presence of Jesus, and you can tell, something's happened to me. So something's happened to me. And I so look forward to that. There, there's been three specific times that I have felt closer to the Holy Spirit of God than any other time. And I long for those times, Mr. White. But my, my spirit yearns to be in the presence of the holy and the righteous God. Why? Because that's who I claim I love most. You're going to be changed when you're in the presence of Jesus. Number three, he knew who Jesus was immediately. And he called him who he was, son of the most high God. 
I don't know what you call Jesus today. Well, he was a great prophet. He was a great preacher. He changed the world. Listen to me. On the day you take your last breath, you will proclaim just the way this demon proclaimed that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God. Lastly, this, this demon possessed man. He begs Jesus not to do what he knew Jesus had the power to do. Saying, this is what the demon said, don't torment me. Church, the truth known is this man who was possessed or the one who was possessing this man was already in torment because he was in the presence of the most righteous one, Jesus he was pleading for no more or no further torment. And he knew all of this just by being in the presence of Jesus. He knew. Tony, he didn't want any further torment. He was tormented just by being in the presence of the most righteous person in the world. Kind of like when we are in the presence of people who have evil in their lives... We ought to feel that and run the other way. We should discern it. We should feel it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. Church, my question, excuse me, we then see Jesus' response to the man who was possessed in verse 8. The very first words that Jesus spoke through this encounter, Jesus says, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And did you notice, Miss Tessie, listen, what do we say when we open up the four Gospels? What, what do we tell each, ourselves every time? Jesus knew. Jesus knew. Did Jesus know? Yeah. But we see something very unusual. We, we hear Jesus say, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus asked a question. What is your name? Did y'all see that? Well, hold on a second, Brother Kyle. Jesus what? Jesus what? Jesus knew. Now, we all know that Jesus knew what his name was. Jesus knew this spirit before he was thrown out of heaven during the great rebellion that Satan led. But for the sake of those who were with Jesus... He asked the question, Jesus asked the question and allowed the answer to show his followers exactly the evil that stood before them. The possessed man said, my name is Legion because we are many. Now, understand here, the book of Matthew says there's two men. The book of Mark says one man. We don't dis dispute that. I, I believe there could have been one. I believe there could have been two. There could have been this one demon did most of the speaking. I don't have a problem with this. Do you have a problem with that? Absolutely not. I don't either. But he says, my name is Legion because we are many. Now, church, we have this, we have this, this understanding from a Roman word what Legion means. It was used to describe a unit of men that totaled between three and 5,000 men. What we see here in our scripture this morning is a man possessed with what seems to be a legion of demonic beings and they're cowering in the mere presence of of Jesus. 
Why is that? Church, why is that? Because there is power in the presence and the presence alone of Jesus. That ought to get you excited. Church, my question to you this morning. As we have seen irrefutable scriptural information that supports there is power in the presence of Jesus. Then why don't people take this information about God more seriously? Now listen, let's do a poll. Y'all pay attention. I'm just about done. I'm really, I'm just about done. How many of you this morning, pay attention, believe without any shadow of a doubt, and I want you to raise your hand high and proud if you believe it. How many of you believe that there is power in the presence of Jesus? Raise your hand. Raise it high. I want to see. All right, put your hands down. How many of you in this congregation this morning believe, no, Brother Kyle, I don't believe there's power in the presence of Jesus? Will you please raise your hand? Take note. Take note. Where's Pat? Pat, take note and bring the notes next time we have a meeting, okay? That everybody raised their hand and said there's power in the presence of Jesus, right? You admitted it, every single one of you. How can we know this argument to be factual? That there is power in the presence of Jesus and yet we excuse ourselves from the presence any and every chance we get. Pastor, what are you talking about here? I would never excuse myself from the presence of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Where are you going to be tonight? Brother Kyle, you, 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 that wasn't fair. Demons don't play fair. Why should the pastor? Hey, listen, some of y'all, y'all don't even realize where we are, what we're studying on Sunday night, what we're studying on Wednesday night. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. So long as I don't have to go, but on Sunday morning. I, I want to give Jesus just this much time right here. Listen, there is power in the presence of Jesus. Why don't you want to be in the presence of Jesus more? Well, I can be in the presence of Jesus at home in my recliner watching TV. Scripture says, yeah, where two or more are present, there am I also in your midst. You're exactly right. But listen, he, this is his house. This is his bride. He created the church to admonish him, to give glory to him. And you don't want to come and be a part, be in his presence? Does that even make sense to you that you make every excuse you possibly can not to be in the house of God when you just rose your, raised your hand and said, listen, there is power in the presence of Jesus. Amen or oh me, right? Church, let me show you in our scripture, and I'm just about done this morning, what happens when a person, listen to me, values. What happens when a person values the time that they have spent in the presence of the Lord? Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Just about done. As Jesus was getting into the boat, 
the man who had been demon-possessed, kept begging him to be with him. When was the last time we did that? He kept begging him to be with him. But he would not let him. Instead, he, he told him, I have a job for you. Go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So we went out and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. Do you know what you do when you realize there's power in the presence of Jesus and you realize everything that, you, that he's done for you? Listen, you, you'll, you'll beg Jesus. Listen, I, I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your presence. I want to be in your presence. You won't run from his presence. You won't excuse yourself from his presence. Listen, you'll run to his presence. Everywhere you think Jesus is, that's where you want to be. Everywhere Jesus is, that's where you want to be. Can I tell you something, church? Y'all know, listen, I, there's, I don't know if there's a, a man in Georgia who loves his wife as much as I do. I love my wife to death. But, but I get tired at times because she, she's, she's got a full schedule, Miss Desi, about, about like you. Monday night she teaches at a woman's center. What, what's, it, what's it called? Parent University. Pours Jesus into these, these women who, who find themselves pregnant or they, you know, they just need some encouragement. Tuesday night, we get to spend with each other. I love that. Wednesday night, we're, we're here at the church. She teaches the, the older youth in Awana. Thursday night, she goes to the strip club and ministers to the strippers at the strip club. Friday night, sometimes this coming Friday night, she's going to be at Hope Academy doing a VBS. Saturday night as well. Brother Kyle, what are, you, what are you saying all this? Why, why, there, there's times that I sit and I'm like, you know, why, why does she do all this? Why, why does she constantly fill her time with this? She does things in school the same way. Why, why does she fill her time with this? Doesn't she want to spend time with me, Butch? No, listen, she understands. She sees Jesus at work. She wants to be in his presence, and she knows that's where she wants to be. Amen. It's not that she doesn't love me. It's she loves Jesus. And I'm okay with that. Church, there's power in the presence of Jesus. Church, do you have a desire to be in the presence of the Lord? All you have to do this morning, right now, is to come down to this altar, altar and speak His name and you will immediately be in His presence. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, let's all stand. Will you come? Father, we love you and we thank you for this scriptural illustration of what it means to be in your presence and how important it is to be in your presence. Help us, Lord God, to see ourselves as you see us during this time of invitation. If there's somebody here, Lord, who's never accepted you as their personal Savior, I pray, God, that they will have the, the fortitude to walk down this aisle to let me show them what Scripture says every person must do to be born again. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come as the music plays? Will you come? Will you come and immediately find yourself in the presence of God at this altar? Will you come?